Yeah, you'll like this. Uh, you'll like this, Alex. Now that you're a fucking psychoanalyst or whatever it is you are, um, I dreamt about Trotsky the other evening. Huh. I've only ever dreamt about, I think, about politicians or about Marxists even only twice in my life, and um, the other, the this was the second time. Huh? Um, did you did you have a nighttime permanent revolution? As a consequence, <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, it was very strange. It was very strange because um, he was. I was my. I was the same age, and he was young. And I reassured him that it was all going to be okay, even though I knew it wasn't going to be okay. <laughs> mm. So, who does Trotsky represent? Can't believe you lied to Trotsky. Is he British? Is he British Trotsky? Trotskyites? Is this Paul Mason? I don't know what's what's going on. I fucking hope not. I hope Paul Mason isn't living rent free in my head. <laughs> <laughs> living rent free in your dreams. Oh, yeah. that's All right. nice. Let's get going. Speaking of dreams, uh, let's get started. everyone welcome to Alpha Bunga Bunga. We're discussing today uh, a new film, a documentary that's come out on Amazon Prime. Uh, it initially premiered uh, at South by Southwest, but it came out on Amazon Prime last week on the 27th of April. It is TFW No GF, <laughs> otherwise known as That Feel When No Girlfriend. Uh, the film's been otherwise called the incel movie though. The director claims that it isn't that, though. Inevitably, you end up coming around to the discussion of involuntary celibate, and the film really is focused on kind of, I don't know if you can even call it an internet subculture, but, you know, basically uh, young men, depressed young men with uh, not a great deal of prospects, spending a lot of time on the internet, being extremely ironic and indeed nihilistic. So, guys, uh, why don't you have a go at describing what's in the film? Cool. Yeah. I mean, so for listeners who haven't seen it, it's basically a, a documentary about a meme, uh, specifically one that originated in February 2011. Um, and it's kind of got this this sort of sad looking guy um, who's a meme character known as, as Wojak, um, paired with the phrase that feel when no GF. And that's obviously that feeling when uh, you have no girlfriend. Um, and and Alex that, looks like Kojak, though. To note, Alex looks like Kojak. <laughs> I think it's Sorry, I think Wojak. It's, Wojak. I think it's Wojak. Um, Did you watch the film? Yeah. So <laughs> Phil is Phil has got the bluffer's guide to this open, um, <laughs> pretending that he's, that he's actually seen it. But yeah, so after that, Wojak basically becomes this symbol of this phrase TG uh, TFW no GF, and it's basically a description of this kind of fragile emotional state as a result of loneliness and alienation. And then the film has a look at, I guess, these four main characters. It doesn't try and kind of be exhaustive as to what this meme means or how it's developed, but these four kind of same characters, but they're real people. Um, well, four and a half, because there's, there's two in, in um, one of the, the kind of story arcs. Half a and man. Just sort of follows, follows, yeah. That's, a, that's harsh. Um, yeah. 
And so I think it's 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 quite impressionistic. It's not trying to tell a a story of redemption or a story of discovery of of you know of what's limited about this subculture. It's basically here are these here are these dudes. Here's what they um, understand by this um, no, meme dis- or widely this subculture. I think it's um, it's a character study to a Phil, degree. Phil, you sound a little these, bit um, sad. Have you just been at home on the internet too long? Is that why you sound all sad? Sound a bit <laughs> We're sad. all incels now, Alex. Incelibate, <laughs> well, incelibate civilization has taken over. Incel I watched civilization the film with my girlfriend is what you get. She actually yeah, left. She left. Me, she, yeah. <laughs> she left after twenty yeah. minutes. She thought it was too sad, which it is, admittedly. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. And anyway, I'm sure I'm sure neither of you are getting any anyway because you've been in long-term relationships for a while now. So everybody is uh, everybody is an incel in quarantine. <laughs> That's the the lockdown produces incel civilization. Anyway, what I was saying before I was interrupted was that I think it's a character study, but that it also has an, a narrative arc, and how far the um, how far it's kind of gerrymandered by the director, edited in such a way to enforce that impression or how far it's genuine. I mean, it's hard to tell, but the first part of the movie is um, takes place a few years ago, and the second part of the movie is a bit closer in time to the present when he revisits the um, the young men that uh, he interviews in the first part. She. Um, so you see, yeah, so you see a it's transformation a female, to a degree in them, which is... Um, which is heartening to some degree because you see, you know, you see that they get older and they change and for the better, for the most uh, part. I, I, I don't buy it as a, as a, as a character study with these people having this incredible arc. And um, it didn't sure, say incredible but, arc. I said go. they, but there is, they improve. It's not a... You know, they get a, they get um one of them gets a girlfriend. They become more um kind of self-reflective and self-aware. They, one of them has got jobs and he's trying to provide for his sick mother and trying to um, get into uh, weightlifting competitions um, and is clear about like that he wants a relationship and is kind of um, looking for one. And you see them kind of get a bit older. And I think that's very clear in the film. I agree. I mean, that's mm. basically it. I, I mean, just to explain who the characters are, uh, if you haven't watched it and maybe you're listening to this and you don't, you're not going to watch it, whatever. Um, you've, you've got four guys, right? You've got Sean, who's um, very short. Uh, that's the main description. He lives with his mum. Uh, nearly all of them, uh, or maybe all of them are neat, you know, people who are not in education, uh, employment or training. Uh, so Sean's in Colorado. You've got Charles and his twin brother, Vidi, in Washington. Um, you got Kyle in Texas, and you got uh, the the more well known Cantbot in New York City. Um, Cantbot Cant- being the guy who said that Trump was going to complete the system of German idealism. Exactly. Yeah, which is a which is a great <laughs> which is a great intervention. Um, it's a great Vox. Which, which is, is wrong. Is, which is wrong because Alpha Banga Banga is going to complete the system <laughs> well, of German idealism. He's 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 he hasn't been proved right yet in that prediction, but. Also, there's still time. There's still time before 2020 or maybe 2024, depending on what happens. Um, George George is our resident Trumpist for listeners, just in case they weren't aware of that. So just to refer a little bit to the reaction that this film uh, has 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 brought on, because, uh, you know, just kind of having a quick look at reviews and whatnot. It's obviously not been out for very long. Uh, lots of people calling it irresponsible. Right. Uh, and irresponsible either for not countering their views, for allowing these people, these supposedly dangerous young men uh, to pronounce their views unchallenged or for not placing them in context, for not saying, ah, yes, but actually it's because of 
lack of employment opportunities or actually be it's because of you know they were raised you know by parent by absent parents or whatever yeah but right? who are these yeah. who are these people who say this i mean these are uh, retards these aren't people <laughs> that we should take seriously no so, I, I agree i mean it's a very you know it's a very i mean it's a very solid documentary that's of the moment in terms of the style you know it's kind of what's his face louis um you know, yeah it's kind of louis Theroux-ish. follow well. people whatever follow people around um you know let them talk about themselves uh don't kind of there's no you don't see the person behind camera asking questions um but you know i mean you let them talk about your, themselves you film them in their own context and you let them kind of reflect upon themselves a bit has the shocking they, yeah the fact, shocking proposition yeah. that you might allow the audience to make their own minds up <laughs> exactly <laughs> which, you know, right exactly. they can't be trusted the audience which is why we're here telling you what to think uh, exactly. Thanks, exactly. For, thanks for subscribing, <laughs> so, guys. Thanks for subscribing. I think, uh, in in general, you know that it's a it's a bad critique of a work of art if it's held up to be irresponsible. Because what responsibilities does or should any work of art, which I would include documentaries in that, have? It doesn't have any. I mean, the Louis Theroux is a good a good point of comparison because he would kind of insert himself into the narrative and then he would ask in his, I'm Louis from the BBC. Um, why is it that you you post these comments on online about uh, about women? What is it that you're, you, you said you wanted to hit a woman so hard that she collapsed? What, what did you mean by that? And kind of <laughs> yeah. do that work of the very disingenuous uh, questioner. But this, I think, leaves it a bit, a bit more, a bit more open. And I think any sort of criticism that it's too sympathetic, um, because it largely leaves the politics of it out of the the picture is i mean it has some it, it would have made it maybe made it a better documentary but whether it makes it a more valid one i think is is obviously missing the point i mean i see like we just said as well you see them you know you see them being very reflective um in fact it's striking how um reflective they are and I don't know if in any way they're meaningful representatives of the subculture, um, but they're remarkably um, intelligent and articulate and um, mm. self-aware with regard to their context and their motivations and themselves. I don't know. And it's remarkable, in fact, to see that people who are otherwise seemingly so detached, um, deracinated by their own accounts, you know, kind of suffering with mental health problems, isolated, anomic, and yet so um, so capable of uh, expressing themselves so fluently as okay, well. Okay, so, so I'm not sure about that. really striking. Because so, I, I, I found, I think it's actually worth distinguishing the characters first before maybe we can say a little bit about whether we think that they're representative or, or whatever, put it into a little bit of context. Because especially well, in the first part know, of the film, really, before, I mean, in the earlier part of the film, you've got all of them basically, bar Cantbot, being uh, effectively nihilistic and in quite dark places you know to, to various extents you know kyle is an alcoholic he, he comments later in the film that he doesn't even remember being 18 that it was all a blur um and they're the, to the extent but that do they you have, remember being 18 alex yeah um but no, to, the, to the extent that they were um had something to say about the world it wasn't a social critique at all i mean there was no sense of okay what is wrong with the world it's more just that the world is no, but shit, I didn't say they right? had social critique. I said about themselves. They're self-aware. You know, they're not. Um, but they're but not. That's, um, but I think that's. But that's the point. I think isn't that taken as read? The whole point is that they're aware of the fact that they're losers with no friends, and they and they say, "I'm a loser with no friends." I mean, yeah. No, but it's 
No, it's not that they're that they know. You know, it's more than that that they know that they they have no friends. It's that they're aware of how their background shapes them. They're aware of how their context shapes them, and they're self-aware. So they're aware of themselves. They're not um, kind of guided by complete confusion or. Um, they're highly intelligent and highly articulate, and I was very struck by that, particularly given the fact you know, yeah, that they're that's... all, as far as you can tell, kind of they left education or didn't do well in school, but they're very, um, they're very clearly very intelligent, and even, um, and even you know, is it uh, the guy in um, the guy in Colorado, Sean, who's a follower of Campbot on Twitter, reads everything that Campbot says, and you know, as anybody who knows Campbot on Twitter knows, you know, um, he's some kind of autodidact and um, philosophy buff who's you know seems to be very well informed and is very intelligent and intellectual um and i was very struck by that so i was struck by their articulacy if nothing else you know so i'm not saying that they had a great social critique only that they were very intelligent and very articulate and yeah, it was uniform yeah i think there's a, a limit though to uh, uh, to self-awareness if it doesn't cross into a kind of political understanding of things or at least a social one um and that's I mean, a critique of a, of a very large number of people then may, maybe maybe i mean it's it, it's the question then becomes and actually this is one thing that i'd written down so why why aren't these guys socialists like what what is it that determines their route into this quite nihilistic transgressive um at least at some some points in some of the characters stories that kind of political milieu which doesn't really have um an alternative vision of society and is somewhat interesting in terms of ideas but actually has very real limitations um well, why wouldn't you i mean why wouldn't you be compelled by the tremendous offerings intellectual and political and the vision that's offered by the left at the moment it's a genuine mystery it, quite exactly they they just <laughs> they just need to get a subscription to to the right magazines no i mean there's a, a a sort of serious semi-serious point here that they clearly do have some intelligence and there's a there's definitely an impulse which you know there's there's a search for some big ideas in some cases but there's no sort of attraction to um some of the classics of 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 socialist thought or there's no why would that be i, I mean that's, i guess that's, identification that's, that... with that that's weird. I, I mean, I don't see why they would ex you'd expect them to be left wing at all. Anyway, I mean, the the point is more that firstly on the question of self awareness, right? I I yeah, they they're re relatively articulate, right? But their self awareness is is really limited. So I mean, for example, even in the latter period, so you know, it jumps forward two years and you find them kind of better. Sean trying to improve himself, going to the gym, reading books, and so on, not just whatever gaming or whatever. Uh, I'm not going to miss an opportunity to have a dig at gaming. Uh, would I? Especially in especially in this episode. You have, um, you have no you have no ludic uh, <laughs> nature in your soul. It's you true. I hate it. childhood basically, and I want to. It it's it's scorched from the earth. Um, so, but he, he says, you know, I'm always pushing myself, but this means I'm not settling for a girlfriend. Be, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to settle for a girlfriend. And it, I mean, it shows a lack of self-awareness in that regard because he obviously is still yeah, so filled. Hang on, hang he's so He's so filled with so much self-loathing that he's unable to allow anyone to love him. No, so, you know, it's not really not, the greatest self-awareness. That's not the what's not. No, look, I mean, they're young guys. They're in their early 20s. And I'm not making a great, you know, I expected less... Um, less fluency, less intelligence, and less ability to talk about their motivations and their backgrounds and how, 
You know, I just didn't expect them to be able yeah, to talk to camera. Just to be like yeah. rage. Like... I guess I guess my point is here, if you can talk about the feelings of alienation, the feelings of anger, and you sort of see that they don't come from your personal circumstances only, but there's a structural cause, how does that not lead you to think, okay, I want to... You, you need political, that, a political just, project in the world that's capable of transforming... Just to be, sorry, yeah, sorry, maybe, but just, I maybe. hate to go here. I hate to go here, but I just have one word to say. <laughs> Hitler. Right, <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> no, Hitler was not left wing, right? And he was a, he was a loser, a failed artist, uh, filled with self loathing and a sense of civilizational decline. And he didn't become a socialist, right? So I mean, uh, I think you'll find he was the national socialist. Actually, <laughs> um, end of discussion. But I, no, but I, I, well, I was driving at something. Actually, go on. No, go on. I think on. I think my my question was more: why is that? Um, no, but it's not just they're not socialists. There's no politics there at all, right? There is nothing, there is no political project that they would attach onto. I mean, the only... There's a critique of know, liberalism, there's a critique of feminism, there's a search for solidarity. There they aren't critiques, though. There's a, search for, there's a search for connection and there's a desire to overcome their alienation. If anything, I'd say they're banner, you know, if you had to kind of impose a political reading on them, I'd say they're Bannonite fodder. You know, there are people who've grown up kind of yeah. um, on the mar, apart from one of them, in who grew up in El Paso, and, you know, seem to be um, frustrated by um, kind of uh, the fact that he doesn't speak Spanish and is therefore excluded from all of that. Though, you know, to his, I mean, to be fair to him, he didn't say anything racist on camera. Um, but they're, you know, mostly they're in, around the edges of major cities. Um, they grow up uh, kind of outside of them and they're in that kind of rust belt. I used to feel that way, like, just hating everything in the modern world. Shit like this, you know, fucking highways and factories and shit. I'm just thinking it's fucking ugly and awful and just inhuman, but we fucking grow to, um, you know, appreciate it and think it's like, you know, it's like fucking dystopian movies, fucking Blade Runner or, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but like Rust Belt landscape of uh, factories as um, with factories as uh, kind of decaying tombstones, as the line went from Trump's speech, and they see the kind of decay of urban America, of yeah. old industrial America, all around them. And they were even again, and this was to their credit, you know, they were even capable of seeing its kind of um, its beauty, and they referenced that they could see, even though it was kind of depressing and mordant. Um, they said, you know, there was still a beauty in that kind of landscape of, um, I don't know, uh, kind of ruined freeways and overpasses yeah. and rusting railroad tracks and empty warehouses and yeah. all of that. It's the kind of place where it's all just like like strip malls and industrial places and empty lots, burned down buildings. And none of them seem like actual places you can go to. They're... They're like set pieces, it's like like background, but at the same time, it's like really beautiful in a way. I mean, this is something that I wanted to bring up actually, because I want to. I also do want to return to the like question of to what extent they actually have some sort of social critique or not, and I think it depends on which of the characters uh, we talk about. But what was really striking is. That, like they they understand that the landscape, the the kind of the society that they live in is fucked now whether they just see it as a kind of universalized 
everything is shit, society's a scam, as I think, uh, I'm not sure if that, oh yeah, there was, it was a screen grab from 4chan or something, right? That's a society's a scam. So I don't know if it's, if it's that sense, or if it's a little bit more developed in the sense that, well, okay, the United States is a kind of declining power. It's uh, the the kind of Fordist model has mm. fallen apart, and not even that they're expe- that they're thinking about it in terms of the Fordist model or anything like that, but just that you know th- there was a period of opportunity in America, and now there isn't, and everything is just kind of decadent, mm. right? Um, and it comes yeah. acro- and it comes across in terms of like what i don't know maybe this strikes me because I, I i find the united states a lot of american cities weird and alienating um and i find i don't know where to go in them and this came across really clearly for sean and for who's in colorado and charles and viddy in washington um where they, like they don't have anywhere to go like you can drive to the 7-eleven well, and buy something mm-hmm. um, maybe you can go to a bar but you know it's kind of suburban there aren't many places and that's it. Like, there's no there's no public space where you can just have a random chat with a person, uh, you know, have a random encounter. Yeah. It's just a completely we, vacant landscape. Yeah. But I think it was implicit in what they were saying, that America, you know, that America is kind of, um, you know, falling apart, um, failing, um, that there's nothing to buy into. Um, and they're aware of that when they say about how, you know, their um, products of the 2008 crash, I think that's Charles and Viddy are very clear about that, how their um, parents kind of, uh, their parents and their families collapsed in the wake of the 2008 crash. It's difficult to kind of have the sense that you could get a stable, secure job and income for life. There's no prospect of a career or um, progression through through your job. There's no connection to wider society through your labor. Um, mm. All of that is very evident, and you know there are the 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 immediate insight into the social problems of con- the contemporary USA is all there. It's yeah. just not politically articulated. Yeah. We're in this dual realities. You know, where we're trying to keep up this facade. You know, as society's crumbling around us, as civilization is collapsing, we're trying to keep up this facade that this is what you know. All the ha- happy family and the white picket fence. But that's not, it's, that's on its way out, I'm afraid. And I don't know what's coming. It's going to be probably not very good, whatever's coming up next. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very American um, documentary, or deals with a very American um, topic. I, I mean, when we were in California, Alex, it was definitely, it, it was weird. The, the cities, and LA is a great example of this, you don't get on the public transport system that takes you into the centre and then walk around and you you feel like that's where you're supposed to be um, as a visitor or as somebody who lives there. It's, it's yeah, you, you drive from one place to another, one place where you eat or drink to to another and you can't you can't drive to well, too many places. And that, where and you, that was, and that where was you LA. Alcohol. And that was LA where there's lots of things to do and to see. Exactly. Albeit, all in private, private spaces, um, not in kind of, you know, suburban Washington, somewhere between Seattle and Tahoma, where there's yeah not a whole lot going on. I think, and added to that, the you know, I guess it's a it's a the subculture is is very Amer- American as well, not exclusively, um, but I guess the the points of reference um, and the kind of the related subcultures around perhaps particularly around gaming and the the weird into the weird like I, I think this is quite striking in the documentary where suddenly you see the guns i mean this is something which you wouldn't have seen if you had a similar documentary probably mm. um on uk alienated youth it, it you know it kind of there's a there's a weird relationship to to school shooters and to all these kind of 
um, characters in, in the subculture anyway. And I think it also links, thirdly, to the the interview we did with Jennifer Silver, to go back to that again, which I think was a really interesting discussion. She's she's not a school shooter. What are you saying? Because she talks about what pain means in kind of post-industrial America. And these are, you know, these are young, young men who don't have an identity once they've left school. And it's like that into that void that they're, I guess, trying to to build an identity and what they're experiencing in many cases is a kind of um, a kind of emotional pain. And there's a weird uh, right more towards the beginning. There's a point where they're talking about kind of flirting with their despair and the, the gallows humor around that that whole that whole meme that feeling when no no girlfriend it's like okay it's it is quite self-pitying and and there is a kind of a bleakness uh kind of pain aspect to it all so i think it does come across as as a very american um or, or definitely corresponding to the american landscape and i think if you did a different one for for brazil I don't know what what exactly it would look like. It's not so alienated. I mean, well, you know, there's that's a whole other story. But I mean, maybe to take another kind of, you know, kind of a eh, somewhere in the global north, at least, you know, I think there maybe it's a good place to do this, actually, to do some geographical and maybe even like historical comparisons as well. Because, yeah, if it were in Britain, for example, or, you know, France, I think you might have, you know, kind of if you're telling a story about very alienated and very similar. You, it would Part or would of not. It, but yeah, because it's internet, right? So a lot of it is Americanized. The point is a lot of this is um, part of the kind of, um, you know, part of it is Americanization, globalization over the web. I think a lot of it would be similar. And certainly in terms of the um, the irony, the um, feelings of despair and disconnection, um, the kind of the nihilism, I think all of those themes are the content of the memes and so on might be a bit different. And it might be inflected in different ways in different contexts, but I think a lot of it for that age bracket of a very online kind of culture would be broadly very similar. And they wouldn't go into the woods to, um, you know, fire AKs and um, M16s or whatever it was they were firing. But, you know, um, there you go. I think that's right. I mean, you could also do this, you know, arguably in a kind of... uh you know, if you did this in France and looked at people from like a Muslim background, immigrant background, you know, you'd probably also find the kind of same sort of uh, milieu that kind of jihadists draw from. Now, I don't want to say that all of them are jihadists in the same way that you wouldn't say that all of these guys, all these incels are all white nationalists or potential school shooters or both, right? But it's it's that, it's the same sort of milieu and the same kind of phenomenon. But the, I mean, that's what made me think think uh, about some historical comparisons because there's always been kind of alienated lonely young men right um and they've and, always and, then, and, and society is... has often seen them as dangerous that's i don't think that's anything yeah. particularly new so i, I kind of maybe but this was... was this was very striking though because they're aware of that themselves right and i think it's charles in one part says about how there were punks before them um and you know many you know the punks and the back in the day would um you know, um, wear swastika badges and Nazi helmets and all of that. Um, and they were nihilistic and alienated too. But he says this, you know, he says, but the difference was they had concerts and they used to hang out together. Mm. Whereas all these guys have is the internet. What the punks would do is they'd have, they'd have concerts and they'd drink and they'd break shit and they'd get into fights. People of this demographic, they have, they have the digital world. So because maybe they can't do those things in the physical world. 
And I thought that was, again, it was kind of remarkable insight, I thought, from um, someone who's in the middle of it, because it's really true. And it would make a difference because if you're part of a gang, you know, that hangs out, you have something to do, somewhere to go, you go to gigs, you meet people, you get a girlfriend, um, you know, you're part of a tribe, you have a, many more kind of ways of interacting rather than just kind of sitting on your own in your room, typing up on um, yeah. typing things into the void. It's, you know? it, 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 is, it is strange how it's a subculture which doesn't have the kind of collective rituals that the social the sociologist would would generally say is is an important kind of marker of, of group identity and that's how you build and ex- express um group identity but i think the 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 one thing which does seem to to kind of bind them together is an a definite draw towards a kind of transgressive attitude this is you know i was, I was wondering if some of them had read uh, angela nagel's book because they they kind of you know th- that was essentially the the analysis in in that book is that what what appeals is there's a transgression and that gives you that that kind of small dopamine rush of of kind of taking these rules and turning them on their head um so it is oppositional i mean it's 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 definitely dependent on a good understanding and a subtle awareness of what the rules are and the things that you can and can't say and then just saying things something which is one step beyond what you're you're supposed to be able to say but that's always going to be individuating. It's not going to be binding people together because it's, as you said, Phil, they're not they're not meeting up physically more yeah. than they're not to to do this. It's you make a post within a four chan um, group or within within a more closed group, and then you know who who actually sees it. It's just people within that within that kind of fixed circle. That's you the don't socialise. I mean, yeah, you don't interact. You don't go for a beer. You don't you know smoke outside. I mean, you don't kind of uh you don't kind of meet people you don't understand group dynamics off the internet it's like all quarantine basic, yeah well exactly they were, right they were quarantining all before it was cool so yeah they were you know, good for them. they were the thing specifically and obviously about, you were uh, talking about the geography alex i mean obviously the most obvious kind of comparison also are those japanese guys who live alone in their rooms for years and years yeah the hike i've forgotten the name but yeah um but i think the thing with the with the punks i mean you know to make the comparison and the film suggests the comparison as well um you know it's obviously trying to trying to make that explicit it's that yeah they've always had alienated often lonely nihilistic young men without a future blah 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 but yeah you're right they go out and meet people but i think that meeting of people and you know and often it might just be meeting up to just like kick the shit out of an old TV and like set fire to a sofa and get drunk and whatever, right? But there are people and you recognize them. Is that what you well, used to do? Uh, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, there, there was like some weird little hole thing that we we hung out in and just drank beers and smoked. Uh, but anyway, um, that was younger though, younger than a lot younger than these guys. But um, the the thing that happens there is that you recognize people, right? You you, you associate a person with or, or and what they say with an, a fixed identity. These guys on the internet, you know, on 4chan, it's all anonymous. So you don't, you don't, you can't, you can't tie someone's words to who they are. And even on Twitter, you know, it's, they're it's pseudonymous. So it's not anonymous, but you know, the, 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 you, all you know is Cantbot. You don't, might not see the guy's face. You don't really know who they are. So the relationship. It's like me on Twitter. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the, you don't have a, it's like, um, there's a, a German philosopher whose name I've forgotten from the early part of the 20th century, uh, who talked about the the kind of I it relationship versus I, I thou right, where one is a relationship between a subject to an object, and there's no mutual recognition versus an I thou relationship where it's two subjects who recognize each other as subjects, and that you oh might God, have in a kind so of so intellectual. Yeah, <laughs> but you, you might have this 
like in the punk scene, you might recognize people. Oh, that guy, whatever. I hung out with that guy. At least I know where he lives. I might yeah. be full, so full of self-loathing. I can't form a real bond with him. But, you know, at least I recognize him. Whereas I think on the internet, it's just so, um, it's just a mm. flux, which you plug into and plug out of with no ba- real d- bound. Yeah. Is this guy a punk philosopher? But it's Martin, Martin Martin Buber. Yeah. But the, no, I, I, my my point was going to be that I I don't think I would have enjoyed that anonymity. I don't think that is a it's it's it in, yeah. But in they some don't ways, either. They of, say that they don't like it either. No, I think it's good in some ways to be constrained to to a, to one identity and to have to have responsibility. I guess in an existential sense for what you're for what you say and um for what you do. That much that much freedom in that sense would be um completely disconcerting and completely um a, a, a demand reinforce, that's, that's, reinforce that's your very to... ultimately yeah. yeah is that why you're not on twitter then george why you keep on coming on and off twitter because you don't want the anonymity no i think it's 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 the um infinite demand so simon critchley's idea we're, we're we're getting into some good philosophy here it's like um it, it's too demanding that you know, I don't that, know that simon twitter... critchley counts as good philosophy but fine oh um but no i think it's it's too much it's too much responsibility to have to say something and to have to answer the the um infinite demand ethically or just to be interesting and say something of the the twitter sphere or the 4chan sphere um <laughs> just cut off your mic right there <laughs> yeah i mean i hope that you cut it off considerably sooner in what i, what I was saying um but no i i i had some some kind of um i guess aesthetic uh criticisms of 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 the uh the subjects in the film if that's it's fine you allowed. don't need to share them it's fine though i'd um i think i will though why why are they drinking monster energy drinks like why are they drinking those energy drinks why not just drink a coffee it's cooler we we know yeah. this this has been established and why they they don't they don't make no, smoke this cool is, this is why this is why you're no it's not true because some of them do smoke yeah, but they don't make it look cool. The whole point about smoking is it's cool. Don't, but also, don't smoke you're, it you're showing your age, George, because all the kids, they all drink those skanky energy drinks. They don't drink. I notice it with my students. I'm always surprised at them with the skanky energy drinks they drink. Um, you know, you see them more likely to see them with that than you are with the coffee. Um, so I think coffee, coffees are so over. And coffee is also, you know, I mean, it's kind of urban, metropolitan Remain voting, Hillary supporting, you know, so. <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible, like, stereotypes. But all that said, when I see someone drinking energy, when I see, like, a can of Monster Energy drink, I do think, you know, acne, gaming, body odor, basically. So, you know, I'm I, sorry. I wanted I'm to sorry. hear, I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear a bit more of Phil's authenticrat defense of <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah, let's let's not go get, there. Not so yeah. uh, let's let I want to talk a little bit about Trump um, just really quickly because there obviously there's a it's it's not a film about politics, right? But you know, I think it's obviously put to some of the subjects, especially to Cantbot. You know, like why did you support Trump? Um, and you know, of course, there's references to Pepe. Um, and I w- actually, there was one thing which I learned in the film, which I wasn't aware of, at least as the way that one of the characters in the film put it. Uh, that you know, that there's this Wojak Pepe duality. Pepe is the troll. He's self confident. He's out there doing provoking. Maybe not self confident, but at least let's say manic to in contrast to the depressive Wojak who's uh you know who's like the the 
when you peel back the layers and, and you find a vulnerable person inside. I wasn't aware of that kind of duality as it's played on the meme. And anyway, the Pepe sorry. figure yeah, is meant sorry. to have just, you know, voted in just Trump. Just to interrupt. Yeah. Yeah, just, just, just to interrupt there really, really quickly. I thought that was actually a really good point. I I took a little note on that. I had to pause it and take a little note because, yeah, the, the idea that you have this reforming of the public and the private, it's like Hannah Arendt, you know, you're, you're over. Now we've got Pepe, the, the you know the troll self the the public and then the private is is kind of bearing all the costs of of that need to be um need to be public so wojak is precisely the inverse of that yeah the the, the cool pepe smoking and saying the things that they can't say and then wojak is you know feeling the guilt and the um the alienation of having pushed everything away and, and criticized everything i thought it was quite a um Quite a profound little point there about halfway yeah. through the film. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, on, and on the Trump thing, because obviously this has been put to Cantbot, and Cantbot, you know, by far the more most intelligent and kind of worldly of the four or five guys who appeared there. Um, you know, he I'll makes a point. Most- most educated, I'm not sure yeah. most intelligent, but yeah, most well, educated. okay, but most most worldly as well. I mean, he just seems to you know, kind of yeah, not no, be raging against the world in in that kind of. Um, and he's know. also he lives in New York as well, yeah. which probably has something to do with it too. It might help. Um, which is actually New York City, some... as Alex referred to earlier. Well, it was specifically to... the city rather than the state, because I said the other ones were living with the states they were living in. You know, there's a city and there's a state of New York, apparently. So um, I just thought I'd make that clear. Uh, but he, you know, he makes a point about Trump that you know it wasn't about taking things over when we voted for Trump. It was just about rejecting the media narrative, saying that we can, we're not, we're no longer buying in to what the mainstream media feeds us and that we can think independently, but it's not really about changing anything or taking anything over. And I thought that was, um, I mean, he's not the first person to have made this point, but it was interesting to hear it from, if not from the horse's mouth, at least from someone, you know, from from what might be the spokesperson of a certain subculture, which was very tightly associated mm. with, with Trump's rise, especially I mean, on the internet. Yeah. I don't think they're really diehard Trump supporters. They're anti-Hillary. They're anti- no, That's very I mean, clear. No, I, Trump is going to make German idealism real. I mean, that's not a serious thing. No, that's what that I'm saying. Say. It's yeah. very it's clear. Very no, okay, clear. We're in agreement that, that they're not like oh, hardcore okay. Trump supporters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and actually this, but, but in a weird way, does Trump's election kind of dissipate some of the energy of this movement, if it is a movement? I mean, isn't it? it in some ways, the documentary felt, uh, although it's current it felt a little bit dated because it's like it, it, do people still think this or at least the first part of the documentary when they you know which was which was filmed a few years ago you know isn't this kind of all over i mean are people still no, doing this or have or have Maybe, they really well no, the but, I mean, because didn't they will... show that this is a like you can make this critique but it's not going to go anywhere because you get this guy elected and what he turns out to be a mainstream uh, you Republican. look at the way you look at the way um you look at the way america is treating the um the guys and gals who are storming say michigan the michigan capital legislature with their guns the way they're being kind of um slandered um for um you know defending their rights their constitutional rights being concerned about civil liberty and so on um, and you have the deplorables right there. You know, you have the same, the, same, the same kind of that's cultural not exactly, cleavages. I'm not sure same, that's the same thing. It's, I mean, because if you, the people who are out, for example, driving their cars, honking their horns, no, and, I'm not like, saying, I'm not the saying they're the same people. Right. I'm saying that you have the same kinds of, the same kinds of cultural cleavages are still there. So even though, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of Canbot meme is from Trump's election, uh, I think 
you know, it's not dated. It's not dated in terms of the sociology of it. These, you know, it's still the same kinds of divides, cultural divides persist, and they'll find political expression in the upcoming election. Okay, but that's but that's slightly different from talking about the kind of internet-y subculture incels, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and that link and the, the idea that somehow the internet vote, you know, and this was the whole discussion around the time that Angela's book came out and whatever, like, did the internet, did these dark corners of the internet elect Trump? And of course, that was obviously a preposterous thing. It was just standard, uh, like conservative, middle class Republican voters who put in Trump, you know, the same as always. Um, but but it, the- but it was a, it was a revealing question. It was a revealing question, because it showed that basically, all of these deplorables, the basket was they were all lumped in together and it was thought that this you know these people this uh trump had given a voice or had represented in some ways um this group but of course that was completely you know got things topsy-turvy entirely because it was the fact that these people weren't represented at all uh, or didn't feel themselves to be that they then went for this um kind of billionaire quote-unquote anti-establishment candidate um and i think that's you know it doesn't solve all of the the, the Trump's election that is doesn't solve all of the these kind of divides and, and cleavages. But I I do think there is a it I mean maybe I'm just being convinced by the the um, Sean who's one of the characters his his kind of uh, several years later piece where he's decided to become a bodybuilder and read lots of books and devoted himself to self improvement. But it does seem like. He's grown out of it. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that it seems this this whole movement seems quite juvenile. And the whole question is, what what do these people grow into when they actually grow up? Yeah, since I've started, I've definitely gotten more attention from girls, like considerably. But, you know, that's not like the driving force at this point or anything. With this whole incel phenomenon, it's ironically, there's never been an easier time to get laid ever. But it's like, that's not what it's about. It's like, I've had people ask if I was gay because I didn't want to hook up. And it's like, it's so far removed from reality. And it's like, that's the joke. But the joke is also that there kind of is no joke at this point. It's kind of pathetic. It's like, how can you make me better in the ways that I actually care about? It's like, caring about me now and caring about me a year from now is like, completely different thing and it's like i'm looking for someone who's going to care about me a year from now i don't want to settle for something because it's like i'm not even settling for myself i feel like i'm always pushing myself yeah yeah but also what the legacy of that experience is as well so like you know the same way that um the punks the people who used to be punks or um skinheads or you know whatever subculture they partook in um, that shapes them when they kind of become adults. It'll be the same thing with these guys. It'll shape them in different ways. I mean, I think there's like maybe three different kind of exits here. I mean, Sean dedicating him to self-improvement and putting a lot of pressure on himself is in, in a way, you know, just another pathology, albeit perhaps a little bit of a healthier pathology than um, just pure self-loathing and, and being stuck at home. Um but you know, it's a, it's a pathology of, of self help and the Californian ideology as well um, of a kind of punishing meritocracy. Although he admits that you know, I'm a mer- it's a meritocracy, and I might fail in it, and I just have to accept that. So I think there was a, an element of recognition there. Yeah, he but, saw through it. Yeah, yeah, he saw through it. It was very striking that he knew it was bullshit, and, but he was still committed to trying to improve his life. I yeah. thought it was actually very touching. We 
live in the most wealthy country in the world, it's like we are the the most powerful country in the world. It's like you wouldn't know it, right? Everything's about like some grind culture and it's like grind in your 20s and grind in your 30s and grind in your 40s and grind yourself to the bone. Some some might just grow out of it as, as like George was saying. And the other one is you know some of them probably are attracted you know the, the to the extent that they are politicized by this experience or whatever it's towards neo reactionary thought and you know neo monarchists and all these kind of weird yeah. corners of the internet uh, dark enlightenment kind of stuff um, yeah, you can read that off the you know off this documentary because it was striking how essentially apolitical they were with the partial exception of Canbot. Um, you know, even the guy in El Paso was, you know, didn't didn't seem to have particularly strong anti-immigrant attitudes. Um, and it didn't, you know, there's very little that you could read there, I think, politically um, or extrapolate yeah. from it. And that's, I think I that's thought exactly that was hopeful more than anything else. But the, I think the, the point is that if you have these these challenges and these problems that you face in your life and you address them in a completely individualized, atomized way, then you are faced with a choice between, on the one hand, a nihilism which um, quickly grows old, or you you realise it's it's sort of impotent in a number of ways, or a self improvement, a kind of even though you recognise maybe meritocracy is um, the story told by the winners, there is still some value in you improving yourself and um, learning more, and you know taking care of yourself physically. I and I think that's I think that's guys, the the, the kind of are reading it wrong the impasse the point, uh, that that they, that they hey, finish finish the point george the, reading, the, george finish the point the and then that they, that's that's the impasse that they that they necessarily reach at the at the end of that trajectory because that's what that kind of individualized approach to these problems which are social or structural is always going to lead you to you guys are reading it wrong i think the point is they grew up and that the incel panic and the um, all of the kind of horror around the alt-right was the product also of a particular demographic at a particular age. And they grow up, and that's where you get at the end of the documentary. Um, new, but there's new jobs, kids who are coming into this as well. That doesn't, I mean, yeah, there'll be a new be, cohort. No, but it'll be a different cohort with a different kind of um, cultural cultural expression. And they'll grow up too, right? So, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's an art. I mean, this was the main message of the documentary was that that era was also an artifact of a particular age. So it's a different kind of co- subculture for, a, you know, different age groups have different subcultures. So, you're, so, so, you're, so your reading of this is basically kind of seasons change, you know, sunrise, sunset, we all grow up, we all learn. It's all, it's all okay in the end. We can well, live um, It's we not can all okay together. with the end, right. but there is a difference between adulthood and youth and adolescence. And these guys had a prolonged adolescence as a result of their social context, familial background, lack of job opportunities, and the internet. And it fades. Even that too fades. The point is precisely that we live in a society of prolonged adolescence. For, and for many people, that is yep. more acute because they don't have employment opportunities. The there's immediate. a lack yeah. of hope. What? Uh, but they, you know, there's a lack of employment opportunities, as I said. Uh, they don't form bonds. They don't have very many friends. It's a very kind yeah, of like uh, lonely landscape, whatever. That doesn't change, right? I mean, yeah, that, that that's, that's no, the problem. But look, I mean, they become, you know, it's like it's neurosis and unhappiness, right? Um, the point is they're just, you know, the same as everybody else. They confront kind of a poor, low-wage economy with few prospects, but they're adults. 
Mm. You know, and so they can sum the same problems that we all do in different contexts with, you know, better or worse prospects. Um, but they transitioned from the weirdness of a subculture, you know, the kind of, of uh, this completely self-involved nihilistic subculture online to people who have a life or at least more of a life. OK, but, well, but that doesn't answer may, the question may, whether this, the subculture goes away, because that subculture is still yeah, there. It it's in a different they, cohort yeah, of 16 to 24 year olds. I think, but no, they I think, grow, I think they the, grow, they'll have a different subculture. They won't have yeah. Pepe. They'll have something else, right? But, but, but they grow out. No, OK, there'll be different memes. There'll be different expressions, but it, it'll still be an Internet you know, internet yeah, nihilism, well, right? I think I think that's the main point. It'll still be on the Internet, different from the punks like we talked about. And I think that's important. But it'll be a different kind of nihilism and it'll be a different kind of thing. And I wouldn't, you know, read. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as inferring dark enlightenment, neo-monarchism, neo no. all of that stuff into it. I think you do that. The, I mean, that's the important. Stuff. Yeah. The important point is that the structural conditions still exist that mean that it's very difficult to be an adult. I mean, I, I it might just be a sign of my aging that I in watching this documentary felt um, felt some sympathy for the youth um, and the, the challenges faced in in trying to basically grow up and be um, and make that transition between childhood and adulthood because it seems like all of the the issues around employment, housing, I guess, just taking life seriously, they are they're even greater than they they were when when we were nippers when we were when we were youths. I mean, and that that presumably means that there will still be a ground for a similar ish subculture to this even though it might have fairly different cultural coordinates yeah, there will be but it'll be different it'll look different so it won't be you know it'll have some of the same characteristics like i say principally the internet no doubt um you know they'll this crisis will produce its own um backwash of um, broken marriages and failed homes and lack of prospects um, but I'm sure yeah, the memes will be different. The character of the nihilism will be different, but they'll grow out of it too, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, one thing that I, I thought was that because this, I think, will you know, persists for a while, it'll take different forms and whatnot. But, um, you know, you can see the appeal of like Jordan Peterson in this. You know, it, it mm. really brought it home here, the idea that yeah, being told to clean no your room, he presents, all that he presents is like an, uh, some vision of, a mediocre ad- adulthood but which is far superior to the terminal adolescence uh that is exemplified in this film so <laughs> uh, you know and, and i mean obviously that's that's sad and that's disappointing because it's such a it's such a kind of low bar to set but you understand the the appeal there and one Sorry, of them just... said very very kind of interesting you know they said it really makes a difference so their parents were alcoholics but they say it really makes a difference um having somebody who's interested in you as a child Mm. And I thought that was kind of, you know, that was very kind of striking and telling. I mean, very sad. Um, but, you know, they were very aware of what was missing from their lives as well. I think it, sorry, here's a bit of a drive-by on, on Frankfurt School, but it's like at least at least Peterson has a, a positive um, kind of message. If you see a, a cat on the street, pet it, clean your room what's the alternative that that some parts of the left are providing adorno it's like against everything relentlessly negative they already have that in the subculture they're a part of so this this kind of even quite completely banal kind of um 12 rules for life at least it's at least it's somebody taking interest in trying to change their behavior and saying here's what you should do to live a live a good life and it just it just makes you think what is the lost opportunity for this kind of 
generation of of young men because there's there's it's unsurprising perhaps that they're they're not socialists at the question that I raised earlier because what is the what is the appeal of some of the of some of the the ideas that they might associate with that with with that tradition of political thought nicely put george uh, and i think we'll leave it there sometimes i try to do things and it just doesn't work out the way i want it to and i get real frustrated they're like I try hard to do it, and I like take my time, but it just doesn't work out the way I want it to. It's like I concentrate on real hard, but it just doesn't work out. And everything I do and everything I try, it never turns out. It's like I need time to figure these things out. There's always someone there going, hey Mike, you know, we've been noticing you've been having a lot of problems lately, you know? You maybe get away, and like, maybe you should talk about it, you'll feel a lot better. And I go, no, it's okay, you know, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out, you know? I'm just working on it myself. They go, well, you know, if you want to talk about it, I'll be here, you know? And you'll probably feel a lot better if you talk about it. So why don't you talk about it? I go, no, I don't want to. I'm okay. I'll figure it out myself. And they just keep bugging me. They just keep bugging me. There's pills on the side. It's got to be a suicide. So come afraid with what's that? You won't have anything. I'm afraid what's going to stay away. It was kind of, I don't know if you guys felt a little bit sad after watching it. It was sad. Yeah? Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? All these fucking losers. And you're like... <sighs> really losers. I mean... They are you know, losers. I mean, if anybody's are. a loser, that that's a loser. I mean, so, sorry. Uh, it's... I, I think it's unkind. They're... I think I meet, you know, like... Society makes them losers. losers, but they are losers. No. No, but look, they're young men, right? I think I know people who are much older, kind of, who do have jobs, who are kind of not really in... Um, who don't really uh, do anything with their lives, who are much more aimless. You have far fewer excuses. These are just as aim- No, but and, this is my um, point. I, I don't think they're losers because they don't have jobs. I mean, I think that's... I, I don't want to enter into the kind of meritocratic pathology of the United States and endorse that. What makes them losers is their lack of, you know, what, what you'd call kind of social capital or, you know, cultural capital. Where, I mean, they don't have friends. You know, they don't have really a social network. They, they hate themselves and they can't find meaningful relationships with people i mean that makes them losers you know not not the fact that they struggle to find a job which you know it's actually much more widespread uh than just these guys mean no and moreover what what is the project that they are that they're harnessing their intellectual their kind of personal energies and attachments towards it's what it's fucking shit posting i mean that's why they're losers because because there's not there's not there's not anything anything there which can transform their you know their conditions of existence it's just like well you know like it is quite moving and i think i probably appreciate it more than you guys because i thought it was you know it was quite sad and um, no I, I i found the same such a tremendous kind of waste of uh it genuinely is a critique of capitalism and a complete waste of people's lives yeah absolutely yeah no i mean that's it's but and and you know it's funny because Canfield says at one point like you know these guys have potential and I mean it sounds more like you yeah. know boosterism than any <laughs> really rational evaluation of it. But yeah, he's like no these guys have potential you know and 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 to be fair you know Sean goes and decides I'm going to read all the stuff that Canfield recommends I'm going to you know be interested in the world I'm not just going to lay around and you're like yeah fair enough that's the first step yeah, yeah. I worry about like all these all these guys because I see like so much potential in them. And, you know, I know what they're like going through and what paths they're taking. And I want to help them however, you know, I can to get beyond all of this and, and sort of realize that 
you know, they have the power to create their own minds. And also the guy from Texas says how, um, you know, they supposedly live in the richest country in the world. And yet, you know, they know something is deeply wrong. Oh, I, I, um, I didn't say my my super comedy line about the film. That's good. It's good. You was, don't need to tell us now. It's fine. So it, it didn't it didn't pass the Bechdel test. Good, good. Mm. Oh, okay, okay. Probably good that I didn't. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. That was it. It didn't pass the Bechdel test. Oh, you know, right. Okay, yeah. No, I, I thought the, I thought the joke didn't pass the Bechdel test. I was like, well, how does that make any sense? Okay. Yeah. No, the the film didn't pass the Bechdel test. Nah. George, are you? Dr- how much are you drinking? I hope you're not drinking like an old writer. No, so actually, I am. Uh, yeah, just had a, a, a stressful little period at work, and now have a bit of time off. So I'm, uh, I'm on beer number four. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. You think this might contribute to the problems a little, George? It, what's it, that? Sounds like a place, by the way, like like <laughs> Little Rock in Arkansas. It's not a place. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of is, I guess. It's a, a destination. Um, what do we do? What are we do? What are we doing, Alex?